Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Welcome to Inside the Episode. Today, David and I are going inside the episode titled Let Spirit Lead. So uh, we're going in there. We're going in there. Yeah, yes, I love this are. one. And we're not we're not concerned at all about the spiritual bent here because this is what it is. Like, I mean, I love how you always preface that that you know, we don't want to turn off people who want to insert whatever word they want to insert in there. But for you, let spirit lead um, is the perfect way to describe this because it's really a thought you should carry with you yeah. every single day, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so let's dive into the episode. You talked about the first 20 years of our lives are setting us up in a way to how our mm-hmm. life is going to go. Uh, A lot of times for some people that might lead to some dissatisfaction of the initial choice, but because they're so deeply rooted into that choice, they're almost afraid to make the shift away from it. So they'll live their life miserable and unhappy and basically unfulfilled. Um, You also talked about um, there there might be a tragedy in life that sets people off in a different direction too. Um, Is this, getting back to the dissatisfaction piece, is this one of the leading causes why people resist making a change? And if so, are there other causes for that very resistance? I think what I'm looking for here is an understanding of why people who are miserable in something just, I'm just going to live with it. You know, I think that primarily when a, when a, a little child comes into this world, there is one of two ways that they can be they can be taught why they're here. One is that um, they just grow up with this idea that they're going to get an education, get a job, have a family, reproduce that, and then they die. Uh, the other one is that they're here for a reason. And I think just interjecting that into a person's life makes all the difference in the world because if you don't have... If, if, if you're a kid that is not being raised with the idea that you're here for a reason, then it's almost the opposite. There's no reason. Like, what the fuck are we actually here for? So I'm just going to try to uh, live with whatever the difficulties are of life, and that's it. And it, to answer your question, I think that's where the fear comes from. Because if I only know what my parents told me about what I need to be safe or successful or, or, you know, this is the stability in one's life. The second it changes, I'm freaking out. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, and we see people totally freak out, but here's the problem. It's always going to change. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what your background is. Life is going to change from one day to the next. And sometimes it's big changes. Sometimes it's painful changes. Um, and, uh, and sometimes it's great changes, like things that we absolutely love, but it's changes the constant. It's the one constant. If I really think that what makes all the difference is the attitude that a person has when it comes to change. So if I had a rough childhood where, um, the, the, the anticipation of change brought about, brought about dread 
in my mind. I'm scared to death if, if something changes because I lived in, I had a volatile childhood. You're not going to be a person that likes change at all. You're going to want to figure out how do I control my environment so that I know that I'm safe because under everything, that's the only thing I'm really concerned about with is being safe. Then change is something that is one of the most horrific experiences for those people. Um, which means look at the entire quality of their life because it's going to be nothing but change. So they're going to have difficulty in relationships. They're going to have difficulty in intimate relationships. They're going to have difficulty in whoever they're working for. They're going to have difficulty if they start a business. Everywhere they go is going to be some kind of a mirror reflection back that life is relentlessly going to, going to keep throwing change in your face and because of that, the person, I think, well, I watched this tea with my own mother. Um, she could not deal with change. Every change was a fucking catastrophe to her because it brought about all this pain that she did not know how to deal with and ended up reverting to, not, not everybody does this, but a lot of people do. She, the older she got, the more she went into this self-reclusive bubble of the past and was living as maybe a 10-year-old little girl when daddy was her hero and life wasn't too bad as a child and never and never could get out of it. <clears throat> and because everybody, you know, here's another thing. Whether you're looking at my mother or anybody's, anybody, any person, when life is changing, the people that you love in your life are also adapting to those changes. If you're resisting it and they're not, they're moving ahead just by default and you're stuck. So what I see there is that people get resentful of even the people that they care about because those people are in a healthy way adapting to the change in life, but they feel like you're doing something to them. You know, like you don't care about me, you're changing, you, maybe you moved Maybe you're changing relationships. Anyway, whatever it is that you're doing is upsetting me because I don't like change to begin with. You're adapting to it, and I have lost my ability to adapt. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating. And when you when you talk about people who struggle with change, I'm one of them mm-hmm. who has over the years grown accustomed and gotten better at it because of your teachings and and, and the help of Steph. But and your it's, own desire. And my own desire. Yeah, your own I desire to, not to be held captive in your own mind. Oh, totally. And I'm still, you know, and I, I will never give myself the amount of credit that I probably have grown in that area. I think you but, will. I yeah, think you will at some point. Eventually, yeah, eventually. I when I want to when I want to embrace happiness, I'll get there. But it's interesting because I think back to my I'll think back to my own life as as a kid. You know, we lived in the same house. Uh, we went to the same school. Uh, my mom still lives in the same community. Like for she's gonna she's gonna be born and die in the same community. And to me, that's a very foreign idea. So I've, I've relinquished change in environment. I'm going to different places. I've moved like kind of like an Air Force brat over mm-hmm. the past 10 years, right? But the same token, you know, there was always a, an underlying um, sense of security that came with that, a false sense of security that came with that, even though my dad worked in a very volatile uh, business construction. You know, yeah. you get shut down in the winter. So my mom was always the driving force of it's got to stay the same, it's got to stay the same, or my dad was constantly fluid, and it was all evolved around security. I wonder if that's something that people, like, deep down, it's always around this false sense of security that I'm not going to change. Right. Well, they don't learn the skills of life and how to cope. So 
it it it's it's painful. There, there's also this, you know, it's like the sword of Damocles type thing. There's this there's this uh, perceived looming threat. You don't know what it is. You can't identify it, but it 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 makes you feel completely uncomfortable. And who the hell wants to live like that? Nobody likes that. So because they don't have the tools to adapt, they look at making everything wrong and living within that bubble of false security because it is false. It's not, it's not secure. And actually what they don't realize is they're making themselves more vulnerable with their inability to even become educated about adapting to change because they know less and less and less their skill sets are more and more outdate, outdated. And um, even with the people around them, if you have somebody that, if you have people that love you, and this could even be a person's husband or their wife or, or whatever, if they're adapting to the change and you're not, the, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not just the connectedness, but the things that they have in common are even becoming less over a period of sure. time. And eventually, the people that are moving uh, ahead with their life, they're kind of like, I love you, but we've got nothing left in common anymore because you're not growing. You're not at least trying to adapt to the change. All you're doing is trying to find ways to stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that happen a lot with, you know, people on this growth journey, people who listen to this show, they know that they've had to let people go in their life because they were, you know, catching a rising star and they were flying and they were growing and they were changing and they were adapting and they were doing all the things necessary and the people around them weren't. And, you know, there was a time probably not long ago where people would just stay in it. I know my parents stayed in a marriage for probably 25 years longer than they should have just because that's the way, whether it was a religious ideal or whatever it might be. But you sacrifice so much happiness when you do those sorts of things. When you are constantly being, you know, aware that change is around you, but you're not diving into it. You're going actually against the grain, against the change. Mm-hmm. It, the sacrifice and the suffering, which you talk about in the episode, um, is, is hand in hand. It is. And that suffering is just, it's not, it's not worth it for you. You, sh- you can make any sort of change. And, you know, a lot of people might say, well, you know, I'm 70 or I'm 80. I can't be making significant changes in my life. This is just the way it's going to be. And that's simply not true. Right. I mean, we've seen that in your rooms and when you're teaching at seminars, there are people who are going up to the mic that are well into retirement that are going to make a comeback because they feel called to do it. And that's the purpose that has been there from the beginning. Everything that that a person needs to go along with the change is already here. And that's the whole idea behind the, the let spirit lead message is that if you let spirit lead you, not only will it lead you in, into the change and through the change, but everything that is also from a resource perspective is also there for that person. Sure. But you have to be open to it to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And when you were talking earlier, you made me think about that too often used phrase of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like imagine how your life would be if you didn't always think when things were going great, there's going to be some sort of a downhill. Now, granted, the rhythms of life causes that. But even when it's down, that's a lesson you can take and you can learn from to get out of it much quicker. Um, I, I just think about all the time I've spent suffering thinking about, well, things are going really good, but you know what? That other shoe is going to drop. It's eventually going to come. And that's just, that's another 
particular way not to live. This is episode about how Brandon is learning how to live <laughs> his life in a different way. So yeah, absolutely. Well, in the episode you talked about, fundamentally, there seems to be something in the human psyche that keeps us locked into the same thing. And you referred to it as a rigged system. And um, you shared that you heard you have to let spirit lead in order to get beyond that. All life is designed to move forward, more life, which we talk about here a lot. Um, every human being has a purpose. And when we listen to the quiet voice in your head, it becomes clear where we're going. So can you, that this quiet your mind or quiet yourself yeah. to be able to hear is it fascinating to me because I... if you know that there's no dead air with me. I have a hard time sitting with myself quietly and I have a hard time letting silence exhume the room. Right. So can you share maybe some strategies that maybe you've used to sort of train yourself to just be quiet and listen? Yeah. So um, back in the days when I worked with Bob Proctor, he used to do something, uh, it was kind of a chant, a, a mantra that you would say to yourself and he would say, peace be still, right? So it's kind of like close your eyes, let your energy just kind of drop in, put your feet flat on the floor, that type of thing. And, you know, peace be still, peace be still, peace be still. And kind of kind of letting and also commanding your body just drop into a more peaceful, grounded type energy. Get the voice in your head to just to try to quiet down a little bit. So that's, that's one way. I mean, Bob used to, he literally would tell this story about how it would be so bad for him that he would, you know, like he would be at work or at a seminar or whatever, and he would go into the bathroom, go into a stall, lock the door, and just sit down, close his eyes, and just try to find a space to be alone in the moment. <clears throat> I think, I think that's okay, for, you know, as a person's going through their day. But I really think people need to take some time, whether it's a day or a weekend or maybe even take a week, whatever. Because I don't think we do this near enough. Go somewhere right? Or create your house environment in a way where nobody's going to bother you. Shut everything off and just sit in the silence. Like you could be doing laundry or washing dishes or cleaning the house or whatever, but no noise, no external voice, no book on tape going on, no television, music in the background, nothing. And start to get used to the quiet. Um, because it's like you said, for you, it's very hard for a lot of people to be able to do that because then what happens is that you start hearing your own voice and you start hearing the nonsense that's going on in your own mind and what do I do with that? So sometimes it's really scary for people. They don't know what to do with it, but if I can drown it out with something else, then I don't have to think about it. So I think the idea is that if we can start to get comfortable with it, there's some real magic that shows up there because this quiet voice within that's telling everybody which way to go is within every person. It's there. We have to get to the place where we're willing to hear it. However, it's always telling us what change to make. It's always saying, go here, do this, listen to that person. It's giving you direction. It gives our life direction. You've heard me say many times in the podcast and in, in, in the teachings that I do, Nature has no problem knowing where to go and what to do. Nature is totally in harmony with that inner voice. It's an instinctual voice in nature. I firmly believe that all human beings have the same voice in them. We're not any different as far as getting direction for whatever it is that put us here, right? Whatever we were created from, we call it God and spirit in the universe. 
person call it whatever they want. But in this in this scenario, it is literally this spiritual idea of you are an individual. You are not an accident. You have a purpose for being here. Your life has a purpose. You're not separate from what that purpose is, nor are you separate from hearing uh, the external idea of what it could be. So that's the God principle that comes in. So now it is just like, all I have to do is be quiet and listen to what it is that it's telling me. Here's where the conflict comes in. So the, the, the busy noise in your head is fear, fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, that type of thing. What we need to do is separate the two. Which one's fear? Which one is spirit? Fear tells you what not to do. Spirit tells you what to do. Now, I've had people that want to argue with this with me. Like, I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. Do it your own way. But I guarantee you, and, the, and, and one other thing I'll throw into this, just because fear is telling you what not to do doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. There's been a lot of times where people have been saved because they're, excuse me, they're listening to fear. Like if you're, if, if you're lost in a city and fear says, don't walk down that alley, right? It's Listen. probably a good idea not to walk down that dark alley by yourself, right? Or you're in the jungle. Don't go too much deeper in the jungle. There's a tiger in the jungle. It's probably accurate. There's probably a tiger in the jungle, right? These are real life things. However, it's not so much that people are, are needing to go through life to figure out what to avoid. We get that from day one when we're born, but nobody's telling us what to do. So if we can separate those two voices in the clear distinction is fear tells you what not to do, spirit tells you what to do, right? That's how I'm going to know the difference. But now what I need to do is to get comfortable in listening to it because if fear is telling me what to do, I guarantee you it's probably not telling you to do the exact same thing over and over again. Your purpose is progressive, hence this voice will be progressive. It's going to tell you what to do next, which way to go. That in and of itself is probably going to be uncomfortable. But if we would just practice being more comfortable with it, you know, um, the religious people say having a relationship or like maybe having a, rela a personal relationship with God or Jesus or, or whatever. This is kind of the same thing. You're having a personal relationship with your own self, but the higher side of yourself, right? The side of yourself that is really connected to spirit, to the universe, to that purpose. And then noticing, because I point this out in the lesson, the idea is that we notice what it's telling us. What is it? What is it? What is it whispering to us, right? Because it is described by the great philosophers as the still, small, quiet voice within. What is it whispering? What is it? What is it telling us? What are we noticing by listening to it? And then, what are we noticing outside of ourselves, right? So, I've got this company that I've built over twenty plus years, and. Um, we've got a lot of people that, that work in this magnificent team and we're goal oriented and we're, we're attempting to get somewhere and, and grow it and become more global of an organization and make it more of a better place to work for, for everybody. And I have to, I have to move through what we're doing, but I also have to 
be quiet and be like, what am I noticing? What am I noticing about the team? What am I noticing about where we're going? What am I noticing about what we're doing? What am I noticing about what does the world need from us as a, as a company that does what we do? What am I actually noticing? Because the voices are screaming so loud. We need to do this and this. we have to hit this goal. And a person needs to uh, develop this skill set. And we need to hire somebody here. We need to fire somebody there. Uh, the, you know, there's, there's these legal changes that are happening. And we've got issues with the building and the plumbing. Or we've got flies coming up out of the drain. or what, You know, I mean, real sure. life stuff that's happening. COVID. We can't do live seminars anymore. You've built a business on public speaking for 20 years. You can't do that anymore. What are we going to do? Shh. Just be quiet. What is it? What do you notice? What is what does everybody need? What are you doing? Right? What is internally? What is it telling you to do? There is nothing, I mean, I didn't build this so that I could be miserable. I built it so that I could be happy. I also wanted to create an environment for other people to be happy. What makes us happy? What makes us, what makes us happy, right? I heard somebody say this the other day. I thought it was, it was absolutely magnificent. Um, I was watching this show on Netflix, and it would, we talked about this. It was chef, the Chef's Table series. And I was watching it because I was studying <clears throat> one person in particular. And I was going to do a lesson on something that that person taught. And it, it flipped into, I, I had to do something. It took the dog out or something. And that episode ended. It went into another episode. And another, the other episode was uh, uh, this guy, Grant, I think his name is. What's his last name? Uh, I think it's Oshatz. I don't uh, know how you Osh, pronounce yeah. it. Yeah, so Chicago. He's got, this, he's got this like Michelin star restaurant in Chicago, whatever. He's got his own struggles. So I'm watching this, and they're talking about all these amazing dishes that they make. Um, and the people that are coming in and, and checking the... Uh, out all the, the food, the, the culinary journey that he's taking people on. And this is what happens. The owner says to his team, uh, this is getting kind of boring. And somebody says to him, you know, I checked the register. Everybody that's coming in tonight, not one person has ever been here yet. So it's all new to them. And the owner says this, yeah, but what about us? Meaning, We've been doing the same fucking thing for three months. I'm getting bored with this. I realize we're in business to give these people an experience, but if the experience no longer becomes an experience for me, if it becomes boring for me, then my creativity is shot. Sure. So he's listening, and I thought that, how often do you hear somebody say something like that? Because that's the deal right there. If he gets bored, the whole thing goes to it's shit. It's a house of cards. The law, I mean, the whole world hasn't been to this guy's restaurant. So you're going to keep doing the same thing because the whole world hasn't experienced it. It's also for you. My creativity is for me. Yours is, is for you. We want to do it in a way where we're happy. You know, we're enjoying the process. It's not just about what everybody else needs because that gets back into not changing anymore. I don't want to change. This is working. We don't want to, we don't want to change you know, the, in the episode in Chef's Table with Francis Malman, he talks about the, the people that are working with him. When they get to the best, most happiest place, it's time to let that person go because the growth will stop. 
Now, I don't think that's true for every kind of business, but in what he's doing where the people that he's working with all want to be chefs like him, it's, it's time to stop because now it's not about them creating something anymore. It becomes about one person. Ah, this is like an old pair of shoes, right? It's nice and comfortable. comfortable. I get a paycheck. Everything stays the same. So the, the change stops. What causes us to do that is not hearing that voice, I think. If we're not hearing that voice, then we have no direction, and the only thing that is important in the moment is, are my needs getting met? Can I pay the bills? Is my wife happy? Are the kids happy? Are we able to send uh, the kids to college? And I don't think that's why we're here. I just don't. It just doesn't make any sense to me that we have this magnificent intellect uh, that is so creative, that's able to tap into everything in the universe, there is a voice inside of us that's telling us which way to go. And I think that part of our responsibility as a human being is to figure out how to listen to it if nobody taught us. Now, I do believe this, T. I think that originally the idea, whoever created or whatever created this idea, was that it would be passed down generationally. Parents learn it from their parents and they teach it to their children so that they understand how to listen to it. But the second you have one generation that stops teaching it, it's lost until some subsequent generation picks back up on it again and figures out how to do it. But it literally needs to be taught to every single person so that a person knows how to do it or they're not going to find it. Yeah, man, there's a lot in that for sure. Um, You talked about the you basically just spend a lot of time talking about the two principles, one of them being the quiet voice inside of us that's always telling us what to do. So now we can differentiate between fear and what that voice is guiding us. And then you also talked in the episode about notice us, which I love, and we'll get back to that here shortly. And then I loved the one that I've heard, and I actually saw this in the background of some show I was watching the other day, and it just said change is a constant. Mm -hmm. And there's no, I mean, constantly... We're always changing. Yes. Today is different than yesterday. Tomorrow will be different than today. Nothing is ever 100% the same. And I think that is what scares some people. I think a lot of people want to believe that we're just in the Truman Show and it's going to be the same thing over and over and over again, Groundhog Day, every day. Right. And it just, that is not the case. So um, I just think it's fascinating when you stop to think about the power of the human mind to want to suffer in a way. Like people want invariably to suffer because if they didn't in some masochistic sort of way want to suffer, they would make a change to do that. And in the episode, you talked about the power of moving into acceptance. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about acceptance and its role in this grand plan? Yeah. I, you know, um, it's an interesting, I think acceptance is really interesting because it's about understanding that there's things in this universe that we can't change. And if we resist that, uh, the Buddha says that's where the suffering is. When, when we become attached to anything, there is suffering. And I remember when the first time I heard that, I was like, why is that? Because we seem to attach to everything. Why is that suffering? What I didn't understand was that the joy is within the change and the growth. It's, about, it's in the fulfillment of, of what we are. So... Under, if we understand that part, we also understand that we're this being in this universe that's constantly moving, and there's certain things about it that we cannot change. When we accept that fact, 
we can then go into being and doing what we do have the ability to change. And that's where our brilliance comes out. That's where our happiness comes out. That's where our joy comes out. And that's where, you know, like when we were kids, everything was an adventure when you were a little kid, right? Before you got, you know, the scare of your life to kind of screw all that up. But there was this point with all children where everything was an adventure, going out in the backyard, climbing the mountain, going camping, going fishing, whatever your, your deal was when you were a kid, you couldn't wait. You were so excited about the adventure. And then we lose that over a period of time because we get into this rigid way of thinking. When it was adventure, everything was possible. Anything was possible. We could do, And the things we would create with our imagination, we were just so damn... We were just so damn happy. So I think whatever happens in, the, in that person's life, it becomes this idea that um, they have to live within this stringent set of ideas that can't be changed, and that's where the misery comes from, when in fact those are the things that can be changed. If we accept the thing that we're avoiding, which is, that life is a constant progression of change moving forward, then we lose the the idea of misery because now I can go back to life being an adventure again. Why is it that every kid you talk to or every person you talk to that was a child, they will tell you that there was that period of time in their life when everything was an adventure? What if that could be that way as an adult? Can you imagine how fun and exciting being an adult would be? Also, with... uh, having some some idea of mastery over the resources that you need to be an adult, right? With like money. I mean, it's a bitch when you don't master money and every day is a, you're stressed out of your gourd because you don't know how you're going to pay your bills or, oh my God, if my paycheck stops, I get that. But see, that goes into the non-acceptance of your own, uh, you know, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast on that because it's like, if, if I move into the acceptance that everything in the universe is already here, my job is to make decisions, to allow it to come in, to be able to receive, to ask for what I want, to grow. If I accept all of that, life becomes easy. If I don't accept it, then life becomes miserable because I want life to work inside the way that I think it should work. And it doesn't do that. And that's where the Buddha said that all attachment is the beginning of suffering because the universe ain't changing as much as you want it to, you know, or much as you don't want it. It's right. not going to adapt to what you think th- the way it should be. So when we accept those things, now we have the freedom to live the way that we want within that ideal structure of what we call the universe. Yeah, no, that's genius. I, I, I the, I, the thought and the idea that going back to your childhood and you remember those moments of sheer and utter just excitement for even the littlest of things, jumping into a pile of leaves, that is still in you. Like we are wired on some level to experience that. It's just that that synapse gets shut off when there's a trauma or you start adulting, whatever it might be. It's there. It's there in all of us. And it's finding a way to awaken it. And you can start today. Like you can start today. And when you mention it, like, the leaves. I, I can smell it. I can smell it, right? I can, I can see smell it, the, 
the wet leaves, the dry leaves. In the fall, I can smell the, f- the field that I used to play in in the springtime, exactly what it smelled like, what the birds sounded like, the air, the air on my face. I have a memory of camping in the spring in, uh, in upper Wisconsin, and, I could s- and we, we would, uh, when I was really little, we would sleep in the, um, in the back of my dad's van, and then we, as we got older, we were allowed to sleep in tents. Um, but we would have these old Coleman kerosene heaters that we would turn on. I could smell it. it and I could hear, I could hear it and the, the, all of it, you know, and it's just, when I, when I think about that and those memories come back, the, the sense of the adventure back then comes back and now, and it was so exciting and so much fun. And I just know that every person's life could be that way if they practice a few of these principles, um, and, and when you do that, I think everything really changes. Yeah, I think it comes down to, you know, like you just descriptly, you know, described that moment. Like you were right back there. And I think every person has that ability to do that. And it's carrying it over now into your adult life and being able to recapture that brilliance that was the sense of adventure. And that is what's guiding you. That's your spirit guiding Absolutely. you to the right place. I love it. Well, this has been an excellent episode. Very eye-opening. Um, we'll have to do this one again. It was for fun, sure. yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming inside, David. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.